Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 16, which is titled Make of Two Hearts. The episode aired on February 9th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on this week 25 years ago? Well, Daryl Strawberry, who we just had in the news a couple weeks ago, I believe, was suspended from the MLB for 60 days after testing positive for cocaine. Tupac Shakur is convicted of first-degree sexual abuse and sentenced to four and a half years in prison. He served nine months before being bailed out by Suge Knight. The world is introduced to Riverdance as the music and dance show opens in Dublin with lead dancer Michael Flatley. My mom was obsessed with Riverdance when I was a child. <laughs> and a million gay jokes were born that are do not hold up today. Really? Oh my god, there were so many gay jokes in the 90s about Riverdance. I, was say, I have no yeah. idea. Early aughts. Riverdance like, you couldn't go a lot. You couldn't go like three episodes of South Park without hearing at least five. Today I learned. Yeah, they railed on it so hard. TLC's Creep is still the number one song. Thank God it's not Boys to Men. And Legends of the Fall is the number one movie at the box office for its third consecutive week. And I'd also like to point out, this is a Valentine's-themed episode coming up, kind of, and we're close to Valentine's, so they're still hugging to that timeline as close as possible. Yeah, they're, yeah it's actually surprisingly pretty good. They're holding up. And we got 34.2 million viewers for this week's episode. It's um, a little uptick. We were at 34 the last couple of weeks, so we're at 34.2 this week. But still not at the high point just yet. And I would like to point out just with a recent news article, like people were freaking out on Reddit. The fact that um, the Jeopardy like grand champion tournament that they're running as of this recording. I'm sad I missed last night's episode. I know I need to watch it. But like the the Internet is freaking out that I got 14 million viewers live. Wow. On, On a big three channel. Yeah. So there's some good point of comparison for you. Uh, this episode was directed by Mimi Letter, uh, her fourth of 11 episodes. Go watch Deep Impact. You won't regret it. Uh, and written by Lydia Woodward. And the episode opens with uh, Carol sort of just mindlessly clicking at a Compaq computer. Like, they very prominently. I'm pretty sure Compaq had a uh, sponsorship with this episode. But there's two in this episode. Yeah, with the, with the logos very prominently displayed. Uh, but she's scrolling through a list of what looks like patient charts. It looks like it's running on some early form of MS-DOS or something like that, like, as it's very, like, Fallout-type text, like, the old school, like, no graphics whatsoever, just, like, straight information. Green pixel text. Mm -hmm. MS-DOS. I'm not sure it was green, but... It was. Yeah. But the other funny thing is, like, at first when we were watching this, we couldn't tell what was on the screen, and we couldn't see what she was doing, so it looked like she was just clicking one button over and over again. We realized it was to scroll through charts, but at first glance, it looks like they were just, like, telling Juliana Margulies, just, hey, click a button, look busy. (laughs) But thanks to the beautiful HD technology of today, we were able to actually, like, pause it and see what the hell was going on on the screen. Like, recipient name and... Exactly. Then you just have Jerry wandering around through. She's at the nurse. Uh, Carol's at the nurse's desk. I forgot to mention she, but Jerry is just sort of meandering through the background with a bouquet of roses going. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not in true Jerry fashion. Sweet and baby. Wendy's also there begrudgingly putting up Valentine's decorations. You know, it seems like she was sort of forced into doing this and is not none too thrilled about it. 
And she makes that point to Jerry. She's like, I was told to do this. I don't want to. So then from there, we get Carol's big patient for the episode. This is going to be a very Carol-centric episode. Um, Her uh, patient for today is a very sick little girl uh, named Tatiana, which file this under the uh, I can't believe this is already heading. Like, I I knew this was coming. I knew this was an arc that was coming, but I definitely thought this was in, like, uh, the last, like, stretch of season one like I thought this was going to be like five or six episodes from now as we kind of wind down season one but uh, we're starting this here so Tatiana is played by this this kind of blew my mind a little bit Tatiana is played by an actress named Milana Vaintrub who the name might not mean much to you but I can guarantee you you've seen her before she was uh, I, I would say probably still currently, but especially as of a couple of years ago, she was kind of an internet sensation for a little while. Like she was the star of an AT&T ad campaign where um, she was like one of the workers at a AT&T store and, you know, customers would come in and hijinks ensue, you know, corporate advertising. Is she the blonde one? No, she's the brunette or yeah, brunette, I guess would be the best way to describe it. See, now we all like this. Oh, her. Yeah. Well, shit. (laughs) So her very first role in acting of any kind was her three-episode arc on ER in 1995 as little Tatiana. So I thought that was incredible. Because, like, this little girl looks nothing like the girl that is plastered all over the internet nowadays. But No, she she got really pretty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's very pretty. Yes, she did. She's very pretty. She's been in a a bunch of different stuff. Like, she's she's forming kind of a legit acting career outside of just commercials. But definitely the commercial thing was what kind of catapulted her to fame. But, yeah. So, she's going to be kind of with us for the next couple of episodes as we play through this little arc here. But all we know about her at the moment is just that she's a very sick little girl. And then we have a switch over to a sleeping doctor in the... Doctor's Lounge. We have Hale waking Mark up in the lounge, and he's like, what do you want? And she's like, you got in at 8. It's only 10. You weren't here overnight. You're already taking a nap? And he goes, yeah, what's your problem? Like, is that okay? <laughs> just real. He's just real pissy today. And we find out why a little later. And she's like, well, when you have a moment, you've got patients X, Y, and Z that need to be seen. Get to it. And I noticed as Mark's getting up, we see a book on the table, on like the end table next to the couch, and it just says weight loss. That's literally (laughs) the title, it's just weight loss. (laughs) So Mark's grumpy, he's gonna have a bit of a day, and it's not off to a great start if he's already napping two hours into his shift, and he wasn't on the night before. Clearly learned nothing from Benton's uh, run around with Halle in the last episode. Nope. Uh, so we go back over and check in with Carol, uh, checking in on Tatiana. She's got Doug with her. I find out Tatiana is Russian, and she was brought in by her adoptive mother, who has been waiting uh, to adopt her for six months, and she's only been adopted. She final, I guess the adoption was finalized only 10 days ago. So the mother-daughter bond here is not very strong, and we're going to see see how that plays out here in a minute but um, her main symptoms are that she's got upper respiratory congestion kind of just looks like a common cold you know she's got a fever that sort of thing carol kind of makes attempts to communicate with tatiana a little bit and um doug and and everybody just seems kind of generally taken aback by this at first and she just sort of casually mentions that um her mother is russian 
which we've seen Carol's mother to this point. And I, in researching and uh, reading up on this episode, um, I discovered that while Juliana Margulies, the actress, does have some Russian ancestry herself, the actress who is currently playing her mother, because remember, we go through a couple of different actresses playing Carol's mother, um, but the actress currently playing her mother is actually Hungarian. Hmm. Hmm. And I love how she was like, yeah, my mom always tried to teach me Russian and I never bothered to listen. Wish I had. Womp womp. And then there's a quick little aside where we see Wendy still putting up the decorations and Doug walks by and goes, oh, you volunteered to do it? Those look really, like, looking looking good. And she's like, I didn't volunteer. I don't want to do this. I could be doing other stuff. So it's just not that Wendy's also not going to have a very good day today. In keeping with the Valentine's Day theme, Lydia is passing out some lovely Valentine's Day cards, and uh, she gets over to Susan, or no, she gets over to Carter, and Susan just makes fun of, oh, so how many Valentines the young, handsome Carter has gotten from various people he doesn't even know. (laughs) My favorite is, who are all these women? I don't know. Ooh, cold. (laughs) Playing him off like he's some kind of Casanova or something like that. A Lothario. Exactly. But really, really, he's just an idiot who looks pretty and has no idea what the hell he's doing. And great suspenders. See, y'all notice the fashion. I just noticed (laughs) the character development. I'm only here for the shallow fashion uh, comments. That's it. You guys don't need me for anything else. Hey, you know what? Someone's got to do it. May as well be you. Then after that, we have uh, Lydia's cop man friend, Boomer. Uh... (laughs) It's just his character <laughs> name, Boomer. No, we specifically have to say it, Boomer. Comes in with with uh, something wrapped, with something uh, what we assume at first is a human. Bundle up and scream, you gotta help him, I hit him with the car, I didn't see him. And just, they sort of go off into a trauma room and like, get Benton, get all these people, you know, call whatever. And then we cut away to that. But we will come back to it shortly. Yeah, we're packing a lot into... Uh pre-theme in this episode like the cold open here is pretty action-packed there's without you know a ton of uh you know like a, a, a big trauma or something like that like it's all just very uh very mundane stuff until now but they're just packing quite a bit in before we actually get to the theme but so we go back over we're checking in with carol again and she sees tatiana's adoptive mother slash caregiver whatever you want to call her like the woman is very detached from tatiana she does not appear motherly at all but she calls out after her as she's walking out of the ER and she is just gone. Doesn't make, doesn't, she's well within earshot of Carol, but doesn't turn around, doesn't look back, just leaves. Um, so Carol asks, asks Jerry just to keep an eye out for her for when she comes in or, or when she comes back so she can talk to her more about um, Tatiana. And we find out her name is Mrs. Hall. Uh, that's the character name. And she's played by an actress named Meg Foster, who has a pretty unremarkable IMDb. There wasn't really anything that interesting about her that I could pull. And then, oh no, oh no, Al hit a dog with his car. But he's he? not oh dead no. yet. <laughs> God <laughs> fucking damn it. I quit. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. <sighs> Sorry. His name's Al, right? Yes. Okay. Not Mr. Cop Man. It's Al. Yeah. I just couldn't remember his name during the notes. So yeah, Al has unfortunately hit a pupper, a little beautiful young male dog. And everyone, you know, to the ER's credit, they're really trying to, you know, help him. Like, they're really trying to, like... They all jump in. Yeah, they're all like, oh, it's a dog? Uh, okay. Yeah, why sure? Why not? It's not, it's not the weirdest thing that's ever happened around here, I'm sure. <laughs> and... 
uh, Al is like, I think I'll name him Bill. And then Ben, who got in there, is like, wait, what? Why is it? Why? This is a dog. Like, what the hell are we guys doing? You called me down here for a dog. Yeah. And he says, you know, call him whatever you want, but it won't be long. Uh, but it won't be for long because little Bill here ain't breathing. Dun, dun, dun. 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 Yeah, so, okay, so we mentioned way back, I think in the pilot, uh, about uh, Spielberg's uh, involvement with ER, right? Like, he kind of helped shepherd along the development of it, and he was involved um, in, certainly in the production of the pilot, but pretty much beyond that, and we also mentioned, too, his big contribution to the show was that um, Carol got to survive and become a, a recurring character. So... Short of that, that's pretty much the extent of Spielberg's involvement with ER, um, except for this one very minor detail, which I found interesting when I was reading. So um, one of his like big suggestions uh, when they first uh, were like plotting out the first season was that they should, quote, do something with a dog. So this is his big con- like, and the, and it, it was actually written that Lydia Woodward, the writer of this episode, she was like working off of that suggestion when she wrote this uh particular thing for the cold open so love it this is the last little vestige of steven spielberg's involvement with er which you know greatest director one of the greatest directors ever but what a like vanilla ass suggestion like do something with a dog great dynamite drop in there guy i mean hey it works people like dogs it does, but I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I just felt like you would get something a little bit more profound and insightful from, you know, one of the best directors of all time besides just, you know, do something with a dog. I'm pretty sure I could have come up with that. But hey, it's not immediately obvious that you would want a dog being, tr- I don't know. I'm trying to give him too much credit. I think <laughs> like, Spielberg's... why would you have a dog in the ER? Right. Yeah, I guess. I think he's okay. I think Spielberg's just okay, personally, but yeah. He gave us Jurassic Park. Thank you very much. I know, but he's also given us a lot of stinkers. Anyway, and then, right as Benton points out that little Bill here ain't breathing, we get a beautiful shot of all the doctors leaning over him and looking concernedly, and with that, we go in with a bang to the credits. And when we come back from the credits, Al is begging Benton to help save poor little Bill, and Benton's like, nah, I got a human upstairs I gotta go take care of. You guys can deal with this. And we see Susan reading a dog anatomy textbook to try and figure out, like, how to intubate, where they need to put the IVs in, all this important stuff. And as she's doing that, we see Carter giving the dog mouth to snout because he can't give mouth to mouth. So he's giving mouth to snout to try and help this poor little dog breathe. Um, We find out Bill has a collapsed lung. So they take a, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of it? A hollow syringe. Yeah, syringe. Like empty syringe, and they they puncture the lung and reinflate it, essentially, and all of a sudden Bill's breathing again. Joyous moment, and Al leans over and grabs Lydia and smooches her full on the mouth because he is just so happy that his little baby Bill, now his new dog, is breathing again. Is this the future of a budding romance? Tune is this in the, next week to is find Is this out. the future of a mediocre web series? Yes. Lid- and Lydia looks so shocked, but pretty all right with it. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, that just happened. Um, and then Deb was like, wow, that was really cool of you, Carter. Way to go. And you know, the mouth, the dog's mouth is the cleanest part of its body. And then Carter just sounds kind of like, Bleh. and he's like, well, what do they say about its nose? And then he spits <laughs> on the floor. Yeah, Carter looks like he's going to be ill the entire scene. And it's, it's you know, we've, we've sort of established at this point that 
that Carter is a master of physical comedy. So from there, we jump uh, back over again to check in on Carol with the Tatiana situation. Like I said, very Carol-heavy episode. And we find out that Mrs. Hall has left a fake phone number and basically just abandoned her here at the hospital. And she's complaining to Doug about it. You know, this is this is obviously a case that hits close to Carol's heart and really, it really upsets her. And we're going to see that kind of play out throughout the course of the episode. Um, they're calling Child and Family Services to figure out what the next steps are. Um, she's still kind of trying to communicate with Tatiana, um, speaking Russian, but her Russian's kind of limited. And we find out that Tatiana speaks they think that she can speak a little English, but they quickly realize that the only word she actually knows is okay. So pretty much no matter what you say to her, she just replies back, okay. And it's very cute. It's so cute. And Carol is just, you can just tell, is just head over heels in love with this little girl from the second she walks through the door. Like she is just, and we, you know, we see where this goes with the rest of the arc. Um, that that's a, that's a theme that continues, but um, here it's just, she just wants to do everything she can for this little girl. And after that, it seems like Mark and Susan seem to be back in each other's good graces. So and they just seem to be really warm with each other again. So let's listen in on them for a little bit, shall we? That was normal? What do you mean? It's Valentine's Day. It's like full moons. All the crazies come out. Ow. What's wrong with your neck? I slept on the sofa last night. Oh, sorry I asked. You want to tell me about it? Well, it's, uh, it's about five feet long. It's got little blue flowers on it. And there's a spectacular okay, okay, stain okay. on the right cushion right where Rachel did some projectile vomiting. Still waiting on that stomachache and migraine. I am going to go get something to eat. I'm loving this semi foul mood of yours. Yeah, well, imagine if we'd lost the dog. See ya. Bye. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> It's just it's good to see there's two there's two relationships in this episode that I'm really happy to see are kind of on the upswing and that's A Carol and Doug. They're not being a weird, Doug's not being an asshole to her. He's respecting boundaries and genuinely seems to be like an okay person. Like they have very non-confrontational cooperative scenes together, which has been great. And B Mark and Susan. It's great to see the the wonderful team being buddies again, they do best when they're playing off each other as positive, like, kind of comedy snark rather than whatever melodrama they were trying to frame. Like, this just works better. And I am just in love with Mark's snarky-ass attitude this entire episode. <laughs> Imagine if we lost the dog. <laughs> and then immediately right after that, as Mark is in search of food, him and Doug have a little bit com- have a little conversation, so let's give that one a listen, too. Doug? Do not steal... Benton. Is there anything good to eat in there? I think Susan really wants his yogurt. No. <laughs> so you and Jen valentining tonight? She left for Milwaukee this morning. You? No, 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 never. I always worked a night shift on Valentine's Day to avoid any possible dating conflicts. Mm, that sounds mature. Believe me, I learned the hard way. Dr. Ross, an ambulance is bringing a 17-year-old in. Crushed legs, some kind of train accident. Dr. Benton said to get you. Thank you, Wendy. I said thank you. Thank you, Wendy, for letting me know I get to work on some kid whose legs have just been pureed. Weird. Gotta love that dark ER humor. Also, where the fuck is Linda? Yeah, she's really fallen off the face of the earth. Did, like, did she get bobbed? Nah, uh, no. She's. Um, I did look ahead a little bit because I was concerned last episode when 
she was uh, mentioned but not seen. I was concerned that we might have seen the last of Linda. But no, she is going to make a few more appearances, but clearly they're kind of losing interest in her as a character. Just like Doug. Womp, womp, womp. And then we see Deb wheel sweet puppy Bill in a cast over next to Tatiana to keep her company while he's sleeping and recovering. And just so Tatiana doesn't feel quite so alone. Because who wouldn't love to have a sleepy puppy next to them? I shouldn't say puppy. He's actually, like, a relatively grown dog. All dogs are puppies. All dogs are puppies. Okay. <laughs> um, so Tatiana at least gets a cute, friendly dog to snuggle with while she's scared and feels sick and crappy in this ER with no parent. And Susan pulls Carol aside from Tatiana. is like, hey, I need your help on something. And... <laughs> This is one of my favorite minor arcs of this episode, but it just <laughs> it just makes me laugh so hard. Carol walks in and is like, what the hell? Uh, there's three cheerleaders doped up on acid, and Kirk, the football player, laced chocolates with LSD and gave some to the girls. And he's like, stupid, huh? And Susan's like, yeah, we get to tell your parents and the cops. Good job, idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's like, and, and she's like, and you have to stay here until these effects wear off because we need to make sure nothing bad happens. I mean, to give him like 0.1% of the credit, like he did at least get them to the ER. I guess. Like 0.00001%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to know how the fuck they ended up at the ER. That's a good point because he doesn't seem like he's responsible enough to have been like, uh, we should go to the hospital. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's definitely some unanswered questions there. But still, this this pays off later in dividends. But before that happens, Doug is just seems to be all over Benton's ass about the flowers and stuff that are. The, oh yeah, we forgot to mention there's flowers and chocolates in the um, yeah in the break room fridge that just have you know Benton's name on them and say save you know do not do not take or whatever or like so you know dead dove do not eat. Um, <laughs> playing twenty questions with Benton basically about what's up with the flowers and. You know, Benton gives him some smart-ass answer, but like that's but it's drowned out by an ambulance pulling up as they're going out to you know get the kid with the bad legs, or to go get the kid with the crushed legs, and he starts chasing Benton to try to get him to repeat it, and all he just all Benton says before the doors open says, "I met this pediatrician," and then they fling right into it, and that's not their ambulance bay. Ooh, that's true. I was that's, so mad. That's not their ambulance band. It's not okay. Like they're actually in Chicago. I'm sure it's. It looks like they're on the med. They're in the Illinois Medical District. Could have been the old Rush one before they remodeled. It's possible. Yeah, but like they're definitely on that near West Side, near University of Illinois Chicago area. Which is so, so weird because, to my understanding, like they filmed a few, um, like they would film a few location shots every season in chicago but the vast majority of the stuff that takes place in the hospital is filmed in california on a soundstage so why the hospital is a set right which i mean certain big scenes like you know doug and uh green you know walking out by the river and like big establishing like hey this is chicago beating them over the head with it shots that i understand why you would film that in chicago but this very like nothing interaction in a like halfway through season one episode seems very odd that they would go out of their way to film it in chicago but obviously they had a reason Hey, I'm always here for more actual Chicago locations being used, even if they don't necessarily canonically line up. 
So we go into the trauma with the 17-year-old with the crushed legs. And I really like how they intro this because they've got one of the classic rotating shots of the trauma where the camera is just doing one fluid motion on the outside of all the doctors, just kind of getting a, a good 360 of what's really going on. And it just shows the nice synchronicity with which everybody works. And then this I almost had words with, but thanks Nurse Jen for clarifying. <laughs> While Wendy is taking this kid's vitals, he starts having a grand mal seizure and he grips her hand and she starts shrieking as if she's going to die. She's just screaming, it hurts, he's got me, he's gripping. And somebody else yells, he's breaking her hand. And then I think Connie says, grab a bite block. That's the only thing I have chagrin with still. The extra unmitigated strength that he's gripping her hand with, I can get because when you're having a seizure, it's those uninhibited nerve pathways. So that muscle is clenching at full force. So sure, it's believable that he he could be doing some damage to to her hand. But saying grab a bite block, that just, I think we've mentioned this before, don't put anything in a seizing person's mouth. Like, he could break his jaw. He could break his teeth. He shouldn't be biting down on anything. I will say, though, it's entirely possible that that was still the standard procedure, though. If, I mean, this is 1995. So, I mean, it was common enough knowledge that people were, you know, when I used when I was teaching CPR classes and first aid classes a few years ago, it was still a common enough knowledge type of thing that they would make a point in our lessons, like when they're teaching us how to teach the class, that they would say, make a point of reminding people not to put anything in people's mouths or not to, um, you know, try to block them from biting down or anything like that. Like, so it, clearly at one point that was taught to, and it was taught for long enough that it became this just common knowledge type of thing. So, you know, I wonder, I, I just wonder when that changed. I wonder when the, yeah. the, when it was like no longer acceptable or no longer uh, advisable to do that. So I don't know for sure but yeah i think i think either way um it's just it's a little overacted oh yeah it's very over the top and that's basically what nurse jen said was she basically said that is it possible sure is it uh over dramatized for tv purposes here absolutely yeah and i'm glad that she helped check my initial eye roll response because when we first watched this i definitely like clenched up and was like that's mm." but you know she, she put me in my place. So thanks, Nurse Jen, for cooling me off before I went on a full rant about that. But still, as our resident epilepsy queen, you are entitled to your opinions on the on the matter. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess for me, I would think, well, I can't say I would think that she would know better because he wasn't seizing when she started taking his pulse. So it's not like she knew not to go near his like hand. So I, I can't say, but Lizzie, I... don't. I want to say, isn't it? I mean, isn't it like that she's holding his hand because they're doing other things and then he starts to have a seizure? I think she grabbed his hand so she could like take his pulse on his wrist or something or check his, you know, check the pulse strength. Okay. And then while she's holding his hand, he clenches. But it's like even with that, he would be, if it's a tonic clonic, like it looks like he would be clenching and unclenching and she'd be able to... Hmm. Get out. Next time I have a seizure, watch my hand. See if it <laughs> Well let's not make sure let's make sure that that's not anytime soon. So let's just keep up with say. your medication and 
But thanks for calling me the epilepsy queen of our podcast. I appreciate it. I mean, it. neither of us have epilepsy, so. She's got you there. Yeah. Five-year seizure-free. Let's make an, at least another five more. And then in a kind of a tonal switch here, we go back to the acid girls <laughs> uh, who are just watching the heart monitor, you know, like you do, I guess, when you're on hallucinogenics. I don't know. I've never actually done. I've done other ones, but I've never done acid or LSD. And Kirk is asleep on the gurney in the back. Yeah. And then Deb uh, comes in to get their urine samples, and which are just sitting on a tray. And she sneaks a couple of chocolates because the box is open and they look good. And other little continuity error here. That box should not be full if that dumbass uh, drugged those three girls with two pieces of chocolate apiece. That box is full. Thank you very much. <laughs> And also, too, just don't just don't eat stuff you find in the hospital. Just don't. General rule. And also, you think that if you know Carol, Carol and Susan knew that they were laced with drugs, they would have done something with them. Yeah, not left them in the room with the patients who have already ingested them. Exactly. There are several things wrong with this. Excuse me. I'm, let me just be a nitpicky internet whiner about a twenty-five-year-old episode of tv we're 13 we're sorry we're 16 episodes in why stop now yeah that's fair so we go back to the doctor's lounge again mark is napping again and halay is coming to get him again for another migraine patient and she's like okay we gotta we gotta bounce back migraine and blank and he's like oh i did that one already she goes no this is a different one let's go and then so he he goes oh fine walks out of the room and deb walks by asking if he wants a chocolate (laughs) he's like no thanks i'm good and then he goes and talks to susan and they're talking about something and she just goes god you are just having a day you are just so cranky what the hell and he goes oh you think i'm mad and kind of nods down the hall and you flip over and you see Kason walking at a brisk pace with headphones on like a walkman and like in like a jogging suit and a t-shirt and then mark runs away totally bails completely leaves susan on her own to deal with whatever the fuck is about to happen and what does happen is Kason whips out a giant bouquet of flowers for susan and you know since it's valentine's day says will you be mine in mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and just creepy no 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 and doesn't get an answer because susan's just like looking at him like the fuck are you doing man and so he just smiles and walks away please 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 go back to being an asshole i regret ever asking you to not be an asshole please go back to being an asshole it it makes you yearn for the days of that quick turn to him in the dark doctor's (laughs) lounge doesn't it (laughs) things that make Uh, you want to go Uh, so we jump back over and check back in with Carol. Her and Doug are checking on Tatiana again. Uh, she's still got a fever despite them um, giving her medication to bring it down. They're bringing in Child and Family Services is there to talk about what their options are. And just sweet little Tatiana sitting there petting sleepy, sweet baby, sleepy Bill is uh, just adorable. Like we're really packing the cute into this episode with, uh, with children and animals. But the nice thing is, is it's not an overly syrupy cute like they've tried to do in the past. Like, it's just, it's very, like, kind of in the background in a lot of the scenes where it's just like, okay, this is precious. Yeah, it's understated. But then alternately, 
Deb is now stoned off her ass. Looks staring at <laughs> just just staring at a wall. And Carter walks by and asks if she's okay, and she's like, very okay. And like pets just, his face. Yeah, and you know, again, in a normal hospital, I feel like this would have raised some red flags, but nope. Not in not a county general ER in Chicago in nineteen ninety five. There are several moments in this episode where you think some red flags would have been oh, raised. Yeah. yeah. I also like that again, Carter again with the physical comedy, like doesn't need to say a word to be funny, but I also like that when he sees her staring at the wall, like his first instinct is to reach out and touch the wall to see if there's something that like, even though he like he's looking at it, it's just a wall, but he still has to check. Just so good. He's just clueless and I love him. There could be something coming out of that wall that's pleasant for her to look at. So her imagination. (laughs) Exactly. And then we go back over to Carol and Ross talking to child family services just kind of about what they can do what's going on and the cfs rep notes that you know if her adoptive mom isn't back in 24 hours um when tatiana's released from medical care then cfs will work to find her placement in a foster home yeah and i I forgot to make note of this a few episodes back this is probably going back a few episodes ago now Whenever, whenever it was that Doug white knighted his way through that supposed child abuse case where he thought that the dad was abusing the child, but turns out it was, or thought that the, no, thought that the, thought that the dad had given the daughter drugs, but it was actually the sister, that whole, that whole mess. We had an appearance, the first appearance of um, this character. And I did make note of it at the time because I thought she was a one-off, but she does actually come back here. Um, McGillis is the name of the character. We're never given a first name, just McGillis is the name. Played by an actress named Valerie Ross. So she appears in four episodes. And this, I guess, would be her second of four appearances. And she's eventually replaced by a more kind of recognizable and long-term social worker. Uh, or child and family mm-hmm. services rep because there's a child and family services rep that I would have been looking out for because she's there for like multiple seasons and this lady is not her so um, that's why I kind of wrote her off at the very beginning because I was like she's not going to be around for very long and, and she's still not going to be around for super long but she gets four episodes so I figure she's worth a mention and we should probably mention that there's some really rock hard nipples in this next scene <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kaysen is on a treadmill chatting with with Susan while he's doing a stress test. And let's give a listen to their lovely conversation. Sure. I'll just call it a creep fest. I'm being released today. You've made a remarkable recovery. Oh, I couldn't have done it without you, Susan. May I call you Susan? Uh, sure. So you said there was something you needed to talk to me about. Every cardiologist ought to go through what I went through. Lying on that gurney, not knowing whether you're going to live or die, and seeing the face of this lovely young resident hovering over you. Well, I can understand how it must have been very scary for you. sure. It was terrifying at first. But then, exhilarating. And now I've got a whole new perspective on life. My own and my patients. That's terrific. (laughs) I, uh, I really should get back. Have you thought about cardiology, Susan? Uh, well... Because I think you'd be an excellent candidate. And I'd like to help you. Be, uh, a mentor of sorts. <sighs> Thank you, Dr. Kaysen. No, please. But... Call me Jack. 
I'm still doing my ER residency. I think I should just stick with that for now. Hmm. I think we should talk more about this some other time. Yeah, sure, that'd be fine. Tonight? Eight o'clock? Dinner? Please, please go back to being an asshole, please. <laughs> he wants to be her love mentor. But but he's married. And ew. Mostly ew. Yeah. It's like he knows he knows Susan goes for older men, but still, ew. Again, things that make you want to go, buh. So then we go over to Wendy, sitting in a hospital bed with her hand propped up on a pillow, hooked up to an IV, and she goes... They gave me a fifth of Demerol. And I think it's Mark. It might have been Susan, but it's one of them who goes, you mean 50 milligrams? She goes, yeah, it's got to be Mark. Because he goes, well, it's good to see it's working. You've got three metacarpal fractures. We're going to get you bandaged up. Just hang tight. And I was like, oh, three metacarpal fractures. That's what I have in my right hand. That's I got pins in my hand for that exact same injury. Mine is from a car accident. But yeah, Wendy is doped off her ass. As you would hope to be when you've just when you've suffered a trauma like that. Yeah, and then after that, uh, we just have a random little aside of Mark passing by Carol while she's very aggressively stocking supplies in the little pharmacy, little mini pharmacy closet thingy that they have there in the center. And Mark just says very, very sarcastically, <laughs> are we not loving our job today? Are we having fun yet? I actually really love Mark in this episode, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he's, it just reminded me of all that, you know, shitty office banter. Yeah, which I live every day of my life. Um, Sounds like Carol has a case of the Mondays. Luckily, no one has said that to me yet at my new job. <laughs> Can it still be a new job if I've been there for eight months? Asking the big questions. Um, But Mark's like, I know how I can make it better. I have a real awful trauma coming in. Doesn't that sound great? And she goes, depends. How long do I have to wait for it? He's like, the beautiful thing is, it's here right now. And so they go over to the next trauma, which is a man called Lorenzo Renzetti. He comes in on the gurney with the EMTs with an aluminum meat hook in his bicep. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good way to start your day. Lorenzo is played, he's probably, uh, other than, you know, Tatiana, which we've kind of touched on, but like, this guy was probably my biggest, like, oh, hey, it's that guy of this episode, because he, he was super recognizable to me. His, but he didn't have as, like, as meaty of a filmography as I was expecting. I apparently recognize him from one thing, really. Um, he's got roles in Con Air, and then the thing that I know him from is Field of Dreams. Um, he, Who does he play in Field of Dreams? He's one of the dead players, one of the ghost oh, okay. players, and he he has like a few speaking scenes and stuff um, throughout the movie. I, so you see him. I unironically it. love that movie. Oh, it's one of my favorites. I love it. One of my one of the only good Kevin Costner movies, in my opinion. I got it for Christmas. It was great. So. Mr. Renzetti has come in with defensive lacerations on both arms, aside from the giant meat hook hanging out of his bicep. Good. And watching that hook wiggle as they move him ah. just made just made my stomach just... <laughs> it was so bad. And he's totally nonplussed, just having a full conversation with them. And then all of a sudden we hear him go, I thought Polly would be here already. We find out Polly is his son, and they got in a huge fight after the kid disrespected his mother. And Tatiana is watching this whole trauma from her bed because it's in the trauma rooms with the windows. So she looks in when she hears all the noise and the fuss. And suddenly we see Polly, his son, getting wheeled in next 
into the next trauma room with a meat hook coming out of his chest and no pulse. <laughs> the defibrillator isn't helping. You'd think they'd try to remove the hook before using the defibrillator, considering it's a giant metal implement. Mm, um, I don't know. I, that's another one I, I should have asked her about. Oh, well. Uh, and Lorenzo is just screaming for Polly, like, I'm here, son. I'm here. It'll be okay. And Tatiana is, like, crying in, through the window, and Carol sees her drops what she's doing, immediately runs out of the trauma to go soothe Tatiana. And we come back from commercial to find Polly dead and being covered with a sheet. And Mark has a weird expression here as he's cleaning up and looking through the window. And we don't see anything else happen with these two patients. Like, there's no other follow-up with Mr. Renzetti. There's no other... Oh, yeah. Doesn't he, like, look out the window and see Doug with the next thing we're going to talk about and kind of have this weird almost smirk on his face like like a weird creepy little smile yeah yeah that is super weird yeah it just it just it it doesn't set right like there's there's something missing in the transaction but then we go out to the nurse's station and we see doug (laughs) leading some little girls to their exam rooms they're all wearing hearts with their cheeks painted red they're holding onto a red rope there's like five of them they're all probably like six or seven years old in little like ballerina outfits and he's like okay guys come on come into this room like they've got hives and benton's like okay the flat i don't remember why you know so doug's then giving benton shit again at the at the um, nurse's station benton's working on compact laptop and type it on a fucking lunchbox yeah, and Doug's like, okay, no, really, who are the flowers for? Come on, it's it's that time of year, you know, tell me. And Benton's like, oh, the flowers are for my mom. Doug's like, no, really, who are they for? And then Deb walks by, looking completely glazed over, and is like, excuse me, where is exam room one? <laughs> and Benton points it out and then just looks at her like, what? <laughs> just real confused, a little worried, but deciding, of course, he's Benton, he doesn't have enough time to worry about it she plays it really well i think like she does she plays high really well and not in a like over the top network tv cartoony sort of way but just very just sort of like she's just kind of floating through the room and i just i appreciate her her take on high little baby mulan stoned off her ass but then we go back over to Carter, and he has moved Tatiana into another room, along with Bill, of course. you got to keep the BFFs yes. together for as long as they can. Yeah, and Carol's also there, and she says, you know, they're kind of perfect together. No idea where they are or what they're doing. And Carter says, well, neither of them seem to mind, so. And Tatiana, bless her heart, is coloring on Bill's cast that they have set to, because Bill broke uh, one of his paws. And then I just noticed because, of course, I've got to call out all the weird fashion choices. (laughs) Carter is just in this bizarre, just bright red sweater that just clashes so much underneath the white doctor's coat. I understand it's like a Valentine's thing, but it just it's like a really bad Mr. Rogers knockoff. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And then it's really sweet. He asks, how do I say goodbye in Russian? And and Carol tells him, and then he just stammers through it, like, just trying real hard. And Tatiana just goes, okay. (laughs) Just... (laughs) Then we go back over to Deb, who, bless bless her heart, is just wandering around with a ton of supplies to do a cast in her arms. And she seems very scared of the little girls in the Valentine's costumes. 
that showed up earlier. Um, but she finds her way to exam one and she's like, are, are you Wendy Goldman? And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yes, Deb. Deb is just like, I had the hardest time finding you. Oh my God. I'm such, I'm so relieved. <laughs> like I'm going to be doing your cast. And frankly, if I was Wendy, I would be shouting for an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's terrifying. And then when she says, like, I'm going to be doing your cast, and she holds up the plaster, and it's, like, started to flake at the end, and so she starts just, like, pulling it apart and staring at it. <laughs> and it's like, I would be pressing the panic button real hard there. And then we have this old man get wheeled in with these two women, and they're like, oh, we wanted to do something special for Valentine's Day, so we got some champagne, and he passed out. And, you know, we went under to grab him, and he held us under, and, like... You know, something's up with these women. We're not real sure who they are. We find out a few minutes later, but right now, they're just two friends of Ed's who's concerned that he passed out in the hot tub. Guys, don't drink when you're in a hot tub. It's a bad combination, and it's very dangerous. Don't do it. Bad news. And, yeah, as we mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about Mark and Susan, uh, Doug and Carol are getting along better in this episode, and it's, it's just nice to see that they're not be... Well, it's particularly Doug. Carol actually has been mostly good this, the entire season. It's Doug that I'm glad to see is behaving himself. Unfortunately, though, they are thinking that something might more serious than just a common cold might be going on with uh, Tatiana, which we're we're going to find out exactly what that entails here very shortly. But it's um, starting to look a little more serious. Yep. And then we flip over to the nurses' station, and we see. Doug's child friend Jake show up. Um, like the emphasis you put on child friend. Ch- Doug's child friend Jake is like clutching his stomach and is like, "Is Doctor Ross here?" And Jerry greets him and is like, "Yeah, uh, let me see if I can find you someone because like Doug's busy. Let me see what I can do." And um, all of a sudden, Doug shows up and is like, "Oh, hey, champ." Jake, what can I do for you? You all right? Just way too concerned about this kid for having just met him, like, who knows, probably a month ago? I, I don't know. His basketball, their basketball friendship just bothers me. Um, and he's, and Jake's like, my side and my stomach really hurt. And so they get him into a exam curtain and get it, start checking him out. Carol notes there's no temperature. And Doug's just like feeling around his abdomen like you do in that case. And he's like, pain here? Kid's like, yep. Vomiting and nausea? Yep. When did it start? After gym class. Like, just routine kid answers. Doug's taking him very seriously. Carol looks a bit more skeptic. So we're going to find out what's going on with him in a minute. But we go back over to Ed's friend. Ed, um, the older gentleman who fainted in the hot tub. And Mark, this is not a proud moment for Mark, goes, tell those two hookers that their friend Ed is going to be just fine. And Halea is like, I think they'd rather talk to a doctor. Like, she doesn't want anything to do with them. Mark's being super disrespectful. And this does not pass our 2020 woke smell test. Don't shame sex workers, y'all. They're doing a vital service for society. That's interesting because I, not, I mean, I agree 100% with that part, but I was going back to Halle's response. I did not read that as her not wanting to interact with them. I read that as her giving Green a little bit of the Benton medicine of like, I'm a nurse. I'm here to assist you with things. I'm not your errand girl. Like, if you want to talk to them, you go talk to them. Like, yeah, that's the way I read it as well. 
Okay, well then I was just looking for reasons to be angry. <laughs> no, I, I the, as soon as I heard the the hooker line, I I was like, eh, yeah, that's not. I mean, I'm not surprised that it's there, but it's also you know, it's just one of those things. We can be better. Why not be better? But the, at least in that one, I'll give I'll cut Halle a little slack. All right, you've you've won me over. That makes more sense. Yeah. Then after they're done there, uh, Mark is asking Susan what what her conversation <laughs> with Kason was. And note, I'm going to play the audio of this. And just keep in mind, Lydia is following very closely behind them the entire time, just eavesdropping like the beautiful little gossip that she is. So with that in mind, here we go. Uh, so what was that with Kason? What? Oh, uh, you know, he just wanted to tell me that he was fine. Thank me, you know. Oh, nice try. I saw the bouquet. Oh, God. Did anyone else? so embarrassing. <laughs> it's all right. Just give you flowers. It's not like he asked you out or anything. He asked you out? Dinner tonight. What'd you say? I said... Oh, uh, Mark, uh, chopper on the way. Some woman choked on her Valentine's dinner. Okay. I said no. I couldn't. That I was doing something with you. Oh, you dragged me into it. Mark is married. Yeah, well, so am I. Uh-huh. Uh, can we get uh can we get Lydia being a creep for this for this one? <laughs> Cuz it's uh, so cute. Either that or the smooch at the beginning. Oh Lydia. With Al. Oh, oh Lydia. It's our favorite little thirst trap. <laughs> it's only funny cuz it's so true and I love it. Oh my um, god. But I also want to note it, note here that um this is where it truly begins between Mark and Susan. Like, when he says, like, well, I'm married, too, and walks away, Susan looks like she had never actually, like, considered that or realized that before. And then she kind of, like, like just kind of, like, bites her lip a little bit. Like, huh, oops. Their, like, their interaction in this episode is the most, like, f- they've, like, swung the pendulum completely in the other direction. Like, they've gone from being yep. at each other's throats to now, like... It sort of seems like, at least in in interaction, in communication, they seem to be dating. Like, it's that sort of, like, interplay they between get the it. two of them. Yeah, it's really weird how quickly we've swung the pendulum. For sure. But either way, I'm happy to see them on good terms again, because it's way more fun when they're like this. And I just love Lydia. She's perfect. Even if her later YouTube career choices aren't so much. <laughs> then we go back to poor child friend Jake and Carol is you know getting him all nice and tucked in and cozy and Jake goes is he divorced my mom says divorced people have baggage like a precocious 12 year old would and Carol's like no he's not divorced but he's got plenty of problems and then Diane leads Jake's mother who we we established in a previous episode hates Doug her friend hates Doug. She does not like Doug. She shows up and she's like, he's faking it. He's clearly faking it. He does this. He tries to set me up with men all the time. He's worked through five or six departments in this hospital alone. He thinks I should be with a doctor. And Doug's like, no, it could be something really serious. And she's like, no, he's done this. Like, believe me. So Doug's like, well, what do you think we should do about it? And Diane, I appreciate her for this. She goes, let's cut him open. <laughs> And then Carol walks over and goes, yeah, he's faking it. That was my favorite part, where Carol yeah. smokes him out immediately. She knows what's up. It's like, it's like they've all done this before. But 
But but yeah, it's just it's real weird with Doug and Diane here how they like kind of don't hate each other. It's another pendulum swing where it's like she's like, "Oh, you're not so bad. Maybe my kid's right." She's coming around. I don't know actually where it's leading because I completely forgot she existed. And again, where's Linda? She has disappeared into the ether. Uh, but we'd go back to check in on Tatiana for a hot second, and uh oh, spaghettios. Her white count is only 2,000, which Carol says, wait, you mean 20,000, right? And Doug's like, no. And and she has pneumonia, which putting two and two together means she has AIDS, unfortunately. So this is the second time in this season so far that they've talked about AIDS or HIV, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ye- oh three actually right because didn't doug treat that one patient the kid the the teen that got beat up wasn't he well he was hiv positive i think i don't think he yeah i don't think he had aids yet but he was hiv positive at least and then we also had carol back in i think it was 13 who got stuck with the needle and then yeah yeah so i mean it's it's come up quite a bit i mean it was public consciousness but i mean we're post magic johnson at this point so i mean that's kind of when it really became a mainstream like public issue was after that so from there we jump over to benton who we really haven't seen a a ton of in this episode we've heard more about his flowers than we have about him um but he comes in to take care of an older patient with an arm laceration uh miss hayden who um, was played by an actress named Ida Ross Marin or Marin. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name, but she has credits dating back to 1947. What? Yeah, she was very, I mean, none of the, nothing really jumped out at me as something that I would really recognize her from, but also a lot of it was from, you know, before my parents were born. So, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to really get any reference point for her, but um, she does a very good job here. I mean, I, I, I like her her performance here. Um, unfortunately, of course, as you might expect, being that this was 25 years ago, she is no longer with us. She died in 1998, so just a few years after this episode. But she's kind of a little out of sorts, um, looking around for starch to iron her husband's uniform. So she's a little confused, probably has dementia. Um, she asks Benton if, uh, she would, if he would like her to iron his uniform. And Benton surprisingly kind of steers into it a little bit and says, yeah, yeah, that would be great. And actually kind of makes a connection with her. And I would argue that this is probably one of, if not the most human moments we have had with Benton so far. Oh, yeah. And I love the little smile he gives her for sure. Like, it's just so warm and sweet. He's like, this could be my mother. I'm going to, like, connect with this person. And, you know, I know not to argue yeah, that's where I got the fact that he was coming, that he was being so warm to her was because it's like, oh, this is how my mom gets sometimes. And then after that, uh, we have our another little audio clip for you guys. Uh, we have Carol and Doug talking about Tatiana and all what her chances are in the foster system. So, yeah, let's give that a listen. I just don't understand how that woman can do that. It doesn't matter. It sure as hell does to Tatiana. The situation is what it is. We'll do what we can. Yeah, well, it isn't much. I mean, we give her some antibiotics, we bring down her fever, and we kick her out. Children and family services She's got to find AIDS, some Doug. place for her to stay. She doesn't even speak the language. It barely makes her a good candidate for being a foster child. That's right. So what do you suggest that we do? Anything else. There isn't anything else. I know. 
You know, these patients come in here for an hour, maybe two, maybe a day. We treat them as fast as we can. We barely learn their names, and then we send them home. Which is usually what they want. Yeah, well, they usually have a home to go to. Uh, Dr. Ross, you still got those chicken pox in three. Fine, Jerry. I also want to note here, while they're talking, a very handsome extra dressed as a firefighter with an extremely 90s haircut <laughs> walks by and just completely like, I was just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm really glad you highlighted this because I am super fascinated by this. So like there's always in the backgrounds of these, these hallway talk two shots, like there is almost always a firefighter extra and I Huh. I don't fully understand it. Like I don't like I get that it's a hospital and I get that they have traumas coming in and stuff like that. And so it would make sense for like, you know, uh, an EMT or, you know, something like that. But like for there to be firefighters walking around in full gear, like all the time just seems strange to me because like I, I could even get it. I could even excuse it if they just if he was just in the like T-shirt and, you know, firefighter you know standard outfit because they do ems training as well so they they can respond to traumas that would be reasonable but just to have guys in full firefighter gear walking around in the background multiple times like this happens in almost every episode at some point if once you see them you'll never be able to unsee them and i don't know it's just weird to me but i'm glad somebody else noticed them something something urban trauma center something something arson (laughs) arson okay now we're just saying words that we know fire hydrant but yeah poor tatiana poor carol just wants to do what's best for her and just feels so powerless it's just kind of a no-win situation uh yeah and i just want to note here we heard jerry at the end of that clip and i'm just so happy to have jerry back we haven't seen him for a few episodes and it's just been really nice to have him around sweet baby jerry sweet baby jerry hashtag team jerry and then after she talks with doug carol moses on over to Tatiana where she's sleeping and you know while Tatiana's sleeping just sort of I forget is she petting her hair or anything like that no she's just sitting with her just sort of sitting with her you know just says very sweetly I'm I'm sorry that the person that was with you yesterday isn't here with you today and I'm sorry the rest of us won't be here with you tomorrow I'm glad you can't understand what's happening to you neither can I Mm. oh the way she delivers it too is so spot on she doesn't oversell Mm -hmm. it just Bam. And then we have sweet baby Bill sleeping at her feet, being a goodest boy. The best boy. Yeah, he's not even on a separate gurney at this point. He's just on her bed. And then this is another straight side trauma patient that doesn't necessarily, like, have a big impact on the rest of the episode. Um, A woman comes in with anaphylaxis. She's allergic to seafood, and they think somehow, or the husband thinks somehow it was given in an appetizer, and they weren't aware of it. Um... And they just cannot intubate her because her throat is so swollen shut that they, they can't get it down. So Susan's got to do a crike because they, they can't get through otherwise to give her, to open her airway. And Susan does it seamlessly. There's no problem. They're able to bag her. You see her and Mark like putting gloves on or doing something off to the side. And suddenly Hale goes, uh, guys. And we look over and she's retching and there is a huge pool of blood all around her throat. Mm. And it's just like, it's everywhere. And Susan's immediately like, did I perforate the esophagus? What did I do wrong? Mark's like, no, you didn't. You did nothing wrong. And they're like, okay, does she have a history of ulcers? Has she been vomiting? 
And as they're doing this, they're scoping her, uh, her throat and her, like, general esophagus and everything, trying to find out where, where this problem came from. And it says that she's got bleeding varices showing on this scope. And they're like, is your wife an alcoholic? <laughs> like, trying to find any reason this could have happened. And the husband just, like, pauses for a second and is like, yeah. And this is something I don't understand. They say, get the catcher's mask. And they put an actual, like, baseball catcher's mask over her face. And then they start inflating these balloons in her esophagus and down more towards her stomach. And I don't know what the balloons were supposed to do. And I don't know what the catcher's mask was for. Yeah, I don't so, I don't know either. And I did not get around to asking. So, <laughs> so if any of you know, please leave us a comment or tweet at us. And tell me how stupid I am that I don't know what this is for. Because I'm really interested. So I would love to hear from you guys what the heck the function of the catcher's mask was. I know. When she said get the catcher's mask, I really was expecting there to be some sort of tool that they refer to as (laughs) the catcher's mask. Like, you know, like just like, oh, they call it the catcher's mask, but it's really something. It's like an oxygen mask or something like that. But then they legit pull out a catcher's mask and it's just. Right. It's jarring. So please, please, if any of you know, fill us in. Because I'm going to go crazy not knowing, and I don't want to Google it. And then Mark and Susan are talking in the hallway after this trauma wraps up. Wife is fine. Nothing more happens with that. So they're talking in the hall, and they're like, well, shit. Now we actually need to do something, so so you're not a liar, Susan. Ooh. Mark's like, we should really make plans. Let's, let's go do something. Spicy. And Mrs. Hall's back. Yay. Yay? Maybe. Eh. Nah, not really. Uh, Carol's ghost talked to her about the situation with Tatiana and you know we find out that she knew that Tatiana had AIDS she was diagnosed last week and Carol's like you know after this morning I don't think you'll ever be able to take her home with you and it's all just very not quite coldly but just very like trying to think of the emotion that was conveyed here just Just flat yeah just Just very like detached yeah just like thank you yeah, just in a very detached manner, says, I don't want to. I'm like, damn. Like, she just brought, she just only came back to give uh, Tatiana her things back. And we have a quick cutaway. Uh, Benton is walking by a trauma room, and he sees Miss Hayden in there, and she is, quote unquote, ironing a towel with a tissue box, just going back and forth, very much in the moment, in the motion of things, looking very soothed and at peace with what she's doing. And he goes in and he's like, Miss Hayden, Miss Hayden. And she doesn't respond. She's just so in the zone. And he just goes, I guess you found the starch, huh? And it's just, it's a very sweet moment. Like it's, it's one of those where it doesn't need to be in there, but it just, it adds, again, it adds a nice humanizing moment for Benton. I think, I think it adds more than the, uh, the alcoholic trauma did. Like, you know, for sure it fits better and it's not so out of, out of left field, but uh, so we're going to wrap up, at least for this episode. Like I said, Tatiana's going to be with us for a few episodes, but we'll wrap up um, at least uh, Miss Hall's portion of the story with her talking to Carol, just making all the excuses in the world for why she left Tatiana. She, Ugh. yeah, she had a husband who passed away several years ago, and, you know, it was a long, slow process. You know, he didn't he didn't die quickly. It was very painful for her, and... You know, as Lizzie mentioned, you know, she's brought Tatiana's things so that ostensibly so that, you know, Tatiana will be happy with them. But in reality, it's just so that she can, you know, clear all that stuff out of her life and and abandon this child with a fresh conscience, which is pretty shitty. 
Um, and you know, the, the actress who plays Miss Hall here, she is sort of like chewing the scenery a little bit here. Like she's really kind of going for it. And I don't know if it's just that she's not a very good actress or if it's just that she's con- contrasted with Carol, who actually is good at her job and, and kind of, <laughs> kind of be- like beats her pants off just in this scene. Like she's really trying and Carol just, without having to try very hard is kind of acting circles around her. So it's interesting to see the difference there. And yeah, that's why I didn't grab the audio from it. Cause uh, we were listening to her like, well, should we get this? We it get was this? a lot. Yeah. yeah. It was just, and she's got that awful noise that happens when you're really trying to make yourself cry. And so you're like salivating. Mm-hmm. So like everything she said just sounded really wet. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. her, her just her whole like thing. Like the is... smacking lips. Yeah. Yeah, just put a pop filter on her collar, <laughs> like uh, one of those, uh, like one of those harmonica things that like puts it right in front of your mouth. Ugh, yeah. So that's it for Miss Hall. We won't see her anymore. She, her part of the story is that's okay. Is done. Yeah, and I, I don't think anything, nothing of value was lost. Okay, and this next sequence gave me a freaking heart attack when we first saw it. I was real concerned where this one was going, unless we have anything more to say no, about Miss Hall. Okay, so. Benton comes home with the flowers and chocolate he bought. He walks in, faucet's running. He's like, Ma, I'm home. And he's like slowly like turns the faucet off and is kicking his shoes off and then goes over and the fridge door is open. So he closes that. Hey, Ma, I'm home. Like just looking for her. And then we we pan over and through the glass door of the kitchen, we see Mama Benton sitting in her chair with the TV on. And it's not clear if she's asleep or if she's dead and i really thought that they were gonna go for the whole like benton has had this really connecting moment with this patient and he wants to go home and connect with his mom and she's gonna be dead i was real concerned that's where they were gonna go with this but he puts the flowers down he puts the chocolate down on her just like on her lap and he holds her hand rubs it and is just like happy valentine's day ma and he just holds her hand and sits with her Uh and she's just passed out just yeah. fast asleep. Nothing's wrong with her aside from everything else that's wrong with her. She's breathing but, and moving a little yeah. bit. But yeah, she's just cozy on her chair watching oldie movies or TV. So they did not do the heart-wrenching thing I thought they were going to do and ruin <laughs> Benton's Valentine's Day. Yeah. One of his days will be ruined sometime in the near future, though. <gasps> yeah, and then we have our last scene with uh, Susan and Mark this episode. They're... And an ice skating rink. The same ice skating rink we found, um, yeah, Mama Benton at. Uh, was that episode 13? No, it's been 12, a, Yeah, think. it's been a couple episodes back now, but it's just yeah. shot from a different angle, and it's at night. But once they, when they kind of do yeah. the crane shot as they make the establish, establishing shot, you can tell it's the same rink. That's yeah. not the one at Millennium Park, though, is it? It's the one, like, it's that one that we, saw, that we said where Maggie Daly Park now okay, is. Okay, got it. You can still see your building. Ooh. Very fancy, so let's give that a listen. This is fun. This is fun. It's 20 degrees out. Okay, this is fun. Did I tell you that Morgan Stern offered me a job as attending next year? What? No, you didn't tell me. Well, that's right. It was last week. You weren't talking to me then. So, you were talking to me. What'd you tell him? That I had to think about it. Oh, please. Well, you know, I mean, there's Jennifer to consider, which I didn't. What'd she say? What do you think she said? 
that I'm happy for you, Mark, because I know this is what you really want. The uh, this is what you really want part? That's right. Sounds bad. It was. So, what are you going to do? I am going to skate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Help, I need a doctor. See, now that's funny, except there's other people on the rink with them. Who don't there's know like their doctors. There's like one other person. Or, right. So it's like, what? I know. I thought the same thing. And I thought it was funny that nobody turned their heads to look like nobody nobody was coming to help them. No. But again, I love when their friendship is actually a good friendship. I love when they're actually being supportive of each other. And when Susan's like, wow, your marriage sucks. Like. And the contrast, too, in her, you know, which we've established already that, you know, Jennifer has very valid points, uh, but the just the stark difference in the reactions to his job offer from Morgan Stern. You know, if you just directly contrast Susan and, and Jennifer's reactions, it's pretty stark contrast. And I just have to wonder how hard it was for them to shoot this with the two of them. And like, how did the camera manage? Because they'd have to be skating, too. Yeah, which actually, as they're coming around, I think the left, they're like making a left-hand turn as they come around the first curve. You can barely, barely in the ice make out the shadow of the um, camera guy and the sa- the camera person and I guess whoever's holding like the boom mic for the sound. You can just barely make it out in the reflection in the ice. But yeah, it must have been, must have been a pain in the ass to shoot, that's for sure. And then we have a couple more wrap-ups for the episode. Well, starting with... Precious baby high, super high, Deb, just licking a cupcake, <laughs> licking the icing off a cupcake, God. which honestly is the best life choice, and I'm so here for it, and I don't understand why people are looking at her weird. Like Malik, she's just enjoying the frosting, and looks like she's having a religious experience with it. Just let her let her live, man. Is it, who's, who else is there? Is it Jerry and Malik? There's somebody else. I think Carter's there too. Maybe that's one of them does this amazing look down at their own icing. Like, what am I missing? It's Malik. Yeah. Like it's, it's so perfect. Like just does this little quick take down to the icing. Like, Oh man, what am I missing out on? Um, and then we also see, finally see the cast that she put on Wendy and holy shit. (laughs) Wendy should have called for an adult. It's so bad. (laughs) Poor Wendy's going to have to come back tomorrow and, get it taken off and get a proper one put on and just have just a bad bad day for all around for her and then al also comes back to pick up bill and say hi to his future waifu and bill is just so excited and just so happy to see everyone just hopping around on his casted leg and just just trying to love life as best he can because he's the best boy (laughs) yeah he's just like hi hi can I be your doggo now? And I love the little limp he has. Because the cast. Because the cast, just the wobble. But yeah, and then we fade back, like we, we pan back from that shot to see Carol sitting with Tatiana, who is playing with her little doll. And it just kind of, it kind of fades from there, but it just shows that Carol is starting to isolate herself a little bit on behalf of this little girl. And I think it's a good um, accidental, accidental or intentional thing foreshadowing for things to come Mm -hmm. it feels it's kind of funny like i feel like this episode has a couple of different endings stacked on top of one another like don't you feel like any one of those three last big scenes could have been 
the ending of the episode. Like we could have easily seen Benton sitting across from his mom and then they just fade to black and we go to credits. Same with the, when they pull back from the, the rink, when Susan and Mark are fooling around on the ice, like, and then with this, like there's like three different endings stacked on top of one another. And then they, they actually end it with this one. I mean, I think it's the right call, but I just think it's, I, I wonder, I'm, I'm curious about like the process of how they put a show like this together. Like, do they shoot multiple sequences like this? And then when they're, kind of editing it all together do they just pick the one they think fits the best or like i don't know i'm just curious about it or they're just pioneering the several endings return of the king style <laughs> stuff from lord of the rings yeah i'd say overall it's definitely we're, we're definitely getting better we're definitely definitely hitting the stride we're definitely in sort of more of the all killer no filler type of stuff here despite some questionable things questionable language uh questionable character little bits a little bit in this one but it can't be perfect yeah it's not i'm not yeah i'm not saying oh my god every episode has to be perfect but you know these are things we notice watching in 2020 now yeah i think i think the the word that i kept coming back to when i was trying to formulate my opinion of this episode as a whole i think the word i kept coming back to was noisy like this is a not in not Mm. in the sense of like it's loud like some of the other episodes we've seen but like it's just noisy in the sense that there's a lot of things happening with not a lot of follow through, you know, like there's, there's this one storyline that we're going to follow really, really closely with Carol and Tatiana. And then we have all these other traumas that, and all these other little storylines going on that we're not really going to follow much at all, but yet a lot of stuff happens, you know, like we had the guy with the meat hook in his chest and the father and son fight. Uh, We had, the old lady, the the dementia patient. Uh, we had the uh, oh gosh, it just jumped out of my head. What was the the third one? Um, the the little little girls with the um, the the Valentine's kids. Uh, Jake coming in and having his fake illness. You know, like we just have all these things kind of happening this episode, and but it's all sort of surrounding this storyline with Carol and Tatiana. Like I like it. I think it's well done, but there's just it, it's it's interesting to me how you can pack this much action into an episode that really only follows one story thread yeah i mean i really enjoyed it and i thought overall it's definitely on the top tier of the episodes that we've seen so far but i do agree that the the amount they packed in sometimes it feels like there isn't a lot of room to let things breathe Mm -hmm. and they could have cut out one or two of the traumas no pun intended and been just (laughs) fine the yeah the the allergy alcoholic trauma easy cut for me like that could have gone and nothing would be different and it would i think like you said it would open things up to where it could breathe a little bit better all right well that should just about wrap up our episode for today thank you all very much for listening as always uh you can find us on twitter we are at set the tone er we are also on facebook at facebook.com slash setting the tone podcast and we are at setting the tone podcast on instagram you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You can help your fellow patrons unlock bonus shows, including a special season recap episode where we just sort of go over our thoughts and the uh, overall plot threads of season one and every season from then on. Uh, and also a monthly bonus show where we talk about whatever's going for us, going on for us at the moment, different current events, different games we're playing, different pop culture things we're just we're vibing with. Our theme music today is provided by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. 
Uh, they can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, which I co-host with uh, my co-host Jake Terrell. Uh, we do a different pop culture topic each week, put it through a little mock trial. Uh, one of the more recent ones, by the time you hear this, um, probably will be our appeals court episode on The Sixth Sense, a movie who had turned 20 Ooh. last year. Yeah, we went back. Jake actually watched it for the first time. Um, he obviously had had the twist spoiled for him long before now, but he had never actually sat down and watched the full movie. So we, we had him do that and uh, just made for a really interesting conversation. So that one should be out uh, by the time you're hearing this. I've never actually seen that movie either. <gasps> we're watching it. Not tonight, but we're watching it. Yeah, definitely worth watching. Yeah, my my parents thought it was too spooky for me it's... when it came out, and I just never got around to seeing it. It's so good. I do love M. Night Shyamalan, though. Unbreakable is in my top 25 favorite movies. Uh, I'm one of the three people who actually likes The Village. <laughs> oh. I like Signs. I really I, like Glass. I've never seen Signs. There it's We'll a, have to have a, a movie night. We'll, we'll watch Signs and Sixth Sense. We'll have an M. Night Shyamalan marathon. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me live tweeting about how scared I am to watch Signs because I'm terrified of aliens at my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I am at Random Gamer. It's JM3R. And thank you again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next week for episode number 17 and have a great week. <laughs>